I love me. And so why would I risk you not loving me perfectly in the moment or rejecting me, huh? Yeah. Right? Talking about fear of rejection. Or not agreeing with me. Or oh, what if we got into an argument and it, you actually won? See, so love of self closes my mouth a lot. And, mm-hmm. I, and it's, it gets wrapped up under the banner of fear of rejection, but it's really love of self. Yeah. I love me more than I love you, so I won't share the faith. Because if you were to reject me or my message or my methods, that's a that reflects on me and my value and my identity. Now, that's heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, I tried sharing something with you, and because it's important to me and heavy, and you didn't agree, now I feel horrible about me. Hmm. And I love me. Yeah. So I just won't. I don't want to risk it. I can't risk it. I can't risk it. You know what I mean? For sure. So I love me. Why would I risk me not looking awesome all the time? Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. hey Good to be back together. Hope you're having a good day. I've been pretty good. I'm fighting some sort of a bug. You might hear it in my voice. I don't know. What are you going to do? But I'm excited about our episode today, so I wanted to come on. Hey, but right off the bat, I have a couple of questions for you. Okay, first, quickly, did you register for the discipleship as a lifestyle virtual workshop yet? I'm doing it this week. And depending on when you hear this episode, and if you don't wait, you can still join me and start to make every relationship and rhythm of your life a natural opportunity for your discipleship and disciple making. You want to join Tina and me for this foundational training? I hope so. You can get all the info on that and register now, depending on when you go, but go right away and go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash lifestyle. That's everydaydisciple.com forward slash lifestyle. Sure hope you'll join me for that. Okay, next question for you. Have you ever done a media fast? I'm thinking about doing one. That's why I'm asking. In fact, you can go in our Facebook group, and uh, let me know if you've ever done one, what the benefits were, how that went. But I love checking in on the news throughout the day, and I watch a few favorite commentators most days. But everything is so crazy negative and dark right now. I think I've brought this up before. Now I'm feeling like the more I check the news and social media, the darker my heart and my outlook on things is feeling. And that goes in direct opposition to my belief in the gospel as the good news for everything in life. I'm actually thinking about going on a media fast for maybe a few months to see if my heart and my outlook improve. I don't know. I'd love your thoughts. It's not like staying super informed these days on the crazy and dark news and politics of the day gives me so much to talk about with folks. You know the old saying, if you want to make or keep friends and influence people, don't bring up politics or religion. And... (laughs) That seems more and more true. I don't know. I don't really live with that fear so much, but I don't know if being informed with all the darkness that's just never ending on news and social is helping me. And all this actually plays right into the topic today that Heath and I are talking about, this having the fear of rejection. Here, take a listen. I think this topic is one that is, gosh, man, I get people writing me all the time about it, the fear of rejection. Sure. 
you know, like no one loves the bullhorn guy on the corner. We call that evangelism or they think of Billy Graham, uh, you know, yeah. up on a stage and go like, well, I can never do that. Well, we can probably not call to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure. but, but when it even just comes to like normal everyday life, like that person's really hurting and I, I really care for them. So it's not even out of a weird sense of obligation. I really just want to share Jesus with them. I want to share my faith. People really have the fear of rejection. They were like, oh my gosh, like what? And I always hear it. What if, if I do, it could ruin my friendship forever. So how close is your friendship? You know what I mean? So anyway, yeah. that is a big topic. And when we're thrust into opportunities, like the holidays just provided us, <laughs> mm. that's even more so because family members, they're the hardest people to speak truth to. Yeah, and not all of our family members are in Christ and believe, and you know we have friends over for holidays. So as we move further now into the new year, I think this is a this is a killer topic all the time: how to beat the fear of rejection. And and I got some stuff today we're going to talk about that's going to really really help. Yeah, the thing that is always interesting to me is how much growing up, even in the church, this concept of sharing your faith was, it's like a mode that you step into, right? It's not a natural rhythm of life. It's more. We're going to teach you that now systems. it's time to transition. Here's a book of transitional statements. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can remember. <laughs> so, and, and this is a guy I love who who I've written about in my books and he mentored me and he still does. I was just with him last month and he's just a beautiful old saint. But when I was a young saint, he mm-hmm. took me and some other guys out and taught us how to share our faith, how to witness. Wow. And he took us to the mall. And we went to a Kinney's Shoes. Okay. Like pe- people don't even know what that is, right? You know, <laughs> I don't think it exists anymore. I don't think so. But we go in there. And there's this like teenage kid working in the shoe store at the mall and, and, and my buddy, Pastor Johnny, you know, he, he picks up a shoe and he looks at it and he goes, is that a good shoe? And the kid's like, yeah, I guess so. They're all pretty good, I guess. You know, he's just working there. He's a high school kid, you know. Yeah, minimum wage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> exactly. Like two, two, <laughs> I don't fi- care. 215 an hour back then, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, he's, and he's like, so is that, does that have a good soul on it? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> and the kid's like, I, I don't know, I guess so. And he goes, you think that soul's like gonna last a long time is it gonna like last forever and the guy's like well i don't know about forever he goes you know we have a soul and it lasts forever and this is how he transitions now this is a great guy okay but i've and i've joked him about that ever since it was like uh thanks for showing me maybe one way i might not ever want to do yeah and i and i just i remember that kid's face and i feel so and i was like his age and i feel so bad (laughs) i felt so bad for that guy like well how are you supposed to answer this is you know, and I'm sure we left him with a track or something, you know, yeah. but... God forbid so, you actually buy a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so pe- people have all kinds of weird phobias about stuff like that. And there again, I did too. After that, I was like, that's what I got to do. I go to the mall and I got to come up with these pithy transitions. <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> you your know? life laced with Jesus? Yeah, <laughs> <something like> that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's actually a fascinating concept because there's constantly like change <laughs> when people are thinking through different ways or methods of sharing your faith and... There's opinions and there's ministries and there's there's uh, websites that teach you tons of different types. <laughs> yeah. um, but regardless of method and motives, there's a universal reason that most people don't seem to share their faith very often, like we're just talking about. Yep, and that's the fear of rejection. Yeah, so what does fear of rejection look like in sharing faith? Well, I think there is like sort of that transitional thing because it's an event, like you said. It's like, okay, um, we're watching the game and now it's time to share my faith. Sure, halftime. You know, yeah. but we don't we don't put anything else in life. Like, you know, guys like you want to get me a slice of pizza and now it's time to share my health tips, you know, or something, yeah. you know, or whatever. You know, we might have health tips or we might just bust in there, but it's natural. And so I think people feel awkward. You know, mm. They just do. It's like because we've been taught like and now we're going into sales mode. Mm. We're going to close the sale. Yep. You know, or, or that's the hope. It's never just like, hey, I wonder if I have good news to that bad news that guy just shared or the situation in his life I can see is bad news. Yeah. And 
and, and we have enough relationship where I probably get to say something there, you know, sure. in love to the friend, this guy or gal, right? And so we feel awkward. We feel uncomfortable about it because it feels like we're, like you said, switching gears into some mm. other mode. Um, some people will say, um, and here's why they have fear of rejection. They'll say, you will, you know, I've tried this in the past and it's never gone well. Yeah. I, there's a comedian, I think it's Gaffigan. He says something about the one thing that no one ever wants to hear, like is, hey, let me talk to you about Jesus. He says, it could be the Pope. And you're like, hey, Pope, like, <laughs> let me talk to you about Jesus. Like, easy freak, you know? <laughs> Chill out. <Yeah. laughs> right? It's just, it feels very awkward. And when you've tried it in the past, people just shut it down. And there again, it's because you've just shifted into some weird, unnatural mode and it does not sound like good news. Sure. And and you're just like, well, yeah, but that's that's them or they're not being drawn or it's not their time. It's like, well, that might be true. We'll talk a little bit about timing and things like that. Right. But it's really not normally, it's the people. <laughs> and that's why. But people have that. It's really go. I tried in the past, it never ended well. The other thing is they can still say, I can remember others in my life before I became a Christian trying to quote, jam their faith down my throat. Hmm. Like that's the phrase. I don't know how we landed on that one as a <laughs> subculture, but it's like, yeah, no one wants you to jam their faith down their throat. I'm like, what would that, what does that mean? Like how horrible would that be like? I, I remember one time I was at a bar and I tied a guy down you know, I had my buddy sit on his chest <laughs> and then I jammed faith. my, yeah. you know, like, you know, <laughs> faith. Such a weird ex- yeah, I never thought about that. But you've heard it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, so I remember people trying to jam their, and you know what? It's like, oh, you know, I was there that time when our sister tried to quote, jam her faith down your throat. She was just like, you know, there might be a better way. We were, I just heard someone talking about that the other day at church. Like, oh, don't be trying to jam your, like, wait a minute. I don't <laughs> know. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and then, like I already mentioned, people are really worried that it's going to somehow ruin their relationships. Mm-hmm. And I've just, I have not found that one to be true in, in, in reality. I've never had anybody where, even if I sucked at it and I transitioned badly or, you know, sure. I, I got into crazy weird mode, I've just never found always like, that's it. We're done. Can't be friends. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There should be like a more of an organic kind of approach, right? Like, I'm a father and a husband and I love soccer. And so if you hang out, enough with me i don't i don't switch into mode of like let me tell you how much i love my wife or let me tell you how much i love yeah. it just naturally comes out in conversation it should be the same way with our faith right like i i think so and and yeah so, so what do you think the top reasons are that that we okay so those are the situations that i hear right yeah but there's always the thing behind the thing sure and i think the thing behind the thing the reasons that people don't share their faith is and i'll just break them down into three there's probably more right but i think these are the big three i've given this a lot of thought is um, and this is gonna be hard. Some of our listeners are gonna like, okay, I'm tuning out, tuning out now. <laughs> um, here's the here's the biggest reason: love of self. Hmm. I actually love me a lot, Heath. Like, yeah. I love me. I'm great. Like, <laughs> I'm probably the greatest guy I know. <laughs> you know? I think the same thing about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love me, and so why would I risk you not loving me perfectly in the moment or rejecting me? Huh? Yeah. Right. Talking about fear of rejection, um, or not agreeing with me, or what if we got into an argument and it, you actually won? See, so love of self closes my mouth a lot. And mm-hmm. I and it's, it gets wrapped up under the banner of fear of rejection, but it's really love of self. Yeah. I love me more than I love you, so I won't share the faith, because if you were to reject me or my message or my methods, that's a that reflects on me and my value and my identity. Now, that's heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, I tried sharing something with you, and because it's important to me and heavy and you didn't agree, now I feel horrible about me. Hmm. And I love me. Yeah. So I just won't. I don't want to risk out. it. I can't risk it. I can't risk it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, and and that, that's an, there's an identity tie there, you know? Like, For sure. It's like, if I was to say to you, like, you know, 
Packers suck, you know, sorry for you Packers fans, whatever, I'm from <laughs> Chicago originally, or whatever, you know, pick a team, right? Sure. And you go like, no way, I love the Pack. You know, I'm not going like, oh, my identity was just thrashed by Heath. Hmm. We're like, well, we like different teams because we grew up in different areas, you know what I mean? For sure. But we, so I love me, why would I risk me not looking awesome all the time? That's, that's the biggest reason. Wow. Next thing is, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier is um, we get into something and it couldn't just be like, here's an opinion or here's some good news. We feel like it has to be linked to closing the sale. And what I mean by closing the sale is I got to get them saved. I got to get them to say the Jesus in their heart prayer right now. Sure. And like we're watching football with some friends. And if I start, quote, sharing my faith, I, I haven't closed a deal. I got to close it, you know. And yeah. so this is going to sound like anathema to some of our listeners. But guess what? We were never once ever commanded to get anybody saved. Hmm. That's God's job. Yeah. We weren't. And we put that on us. Like the church that I grew up in, and I know that I've worked for and who, you know, we work amongst, and there's plenty sure. of, you know, of our brethren out there and sisters. It's like, that's our big goal. Got to get out and get people saved. Jesus never once said, go do that. He said, go make disciples. Which that's is very different. Very yeah. different. <laughs> that's a lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. That's a whole process of years of being in community and family together. Um, Never once did Jesus go up to his disciples and go, hey, Peter, Andrew, it's time to invite me into your heart. Like, yeah. like let's say a prayer to do that. And never. It's just, it's goofy, right? Yeah, it and I weird. know some others are starting to talk about that. Ten years ago, when we used to say this, we'd get kicked out of places. You know? Yeah. But but imagine now, you're, you have a friend or a relative, and you, you go, wow, bad news in their life. Let me share some good news. But you've got this crazy weight of, and now I've got to get them saved. i got to close the deal. And every time, it's linked to that. Yeah. And there's always a guilt element, too. Like... I mean, I, what was pushed on me growing up was this whole like, well, if you don't do it today, man, what if what if they drive home and get get in a wreck? And it's the whole youth group close. Yeah, yeah. they die tonight. <laughs> yeah, what you are you didn't do? You didn't close the deal. Shame yeah. on you for not so saving. So there them. again, it's like, and your sovereignty was thwarted. You know, <laughs> like, and I, you know, I've told people like, like when we do the story of God, you know, and it takes you know, weeks in community. Sure, people are like, yeah, but you don't talk about Jesus till like week five or six. I'm like, yeah, when he comes up in the story. Like, mm. Yeah, but why don't you go, you know close the deal? I'm like. You know, like, well, because we're doing a story, you know, and he's really the whole story. And But yeah, but what if they die tonight on the way home? It's like, you know, then God knew they were going to. Yeah. I'm not being callous there. I'm just like, God is sovereign. He, he alone saves. He alone draws people. He grants faith, scripture says. Mm-hmm. Then he will sustain people's lives until that time when he's going to do all that. Yeah. And he might, gonna, he might use us to do that as well. And part of that might be tonight. We'll talk a little bit more about having a longer view. <laughs> but yeah, could you imagine though? Sure, we're going to have the fear of rejection when... One, I really love me a lot. Or secondly, there's a lot of weight on this. I got to close the deal. Now it feels like sales. That's kind of icky too. Yeah, for right? sure. It feels it, it's slimy. Kinda like, it's kind of like the Amway clothes, you know? Like yeah. I was like, hey, Heath, I noticed you have hand soap in your bathroom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like nothing so, so surprising there. Hey, can I talk to you about a business opportunity I recently, you know, it's like, oh, here we go. You know, yeah. right? So that's how that feels sometimes. And then I think maybe... uh. The third reason is, is people don't know what to say at all. They just don't. Yeah. Like we've been taught like our faith and the gospel and understanding the Bible through a language like at church yep. that, that we understand and it brings great value to us. You know, great, got a great pe- preacher. Our pastor's amazing. He unpacks, he expounds like crazy. I learned so much about the Bible from this guy, right? With him, you know, sure. but then I go, but it's in a language and in a manner and a method that I don't, that doesn't work with my friends on the couch or a guy at a pub or my neighbor, you know, when we're working on his lawnmower together or something. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Like most of those conversations are so one-sided, right? Like the, the approach to sell your faith or share your faith is this concept of, hey, don't, 
it doesn't matter what their story says. Like you've got the answer to their. And here's the presentational. Yeah. And they're poem. going like, okay, well, these three points don't really fit with kind of my life story or, yeah. you know, there's, there's the system has to be adapted to yeah. the message. Like the messenger has to exactly. adapt to the system. Yeah. And, and so we don't know what to say. And we use a term, it's called gospel fluency. Yep. So, you know, people don't have high gospel fluency. And the reason we say fluency is it's like fluency is having like, I'm really skilled in a language where yeah. I can communicate accurately and easily and people understand what I'm talking about, right? So if I was learning Spanish, you know, or Portuguese or something, to so be like, hey, am I fluent in that enough to use it and feel confident in it? And I don't think Christians feel that they are fluent in the gospel. It's like it's like what you sure. were just saying, Heath. It's like, I've got a presentational thing and here's some here's some lists, here's a bullet point list of things I'm gonna go through. But that has nothing to do with the fact you just lost your job. Yep. Or your wife said, I, I, this is it, I want a divorce. Like, what's the good news? Is there good news? Does the gospel speak into that? It does. It really does. For sure. And it's not just some pat answer. Well, and, you know, it's another side of the whole spiritual schizophrenia that we talked about in episode one, right? It's weird when you have a friend for two, three months and you're hanging out and all of a sudden you put on this presentation mode and it's like, what the heck? But your life doesn't... Where'd that guy come yeah, from? Where'd he come from? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that Hugh Halter says that's kind of fascinating is... He wrote in one of his books that when he becomes friends with people that aren't faith people yet, not yet believers, he plans on it taking about five years for them to see and hear enough about Jesus and his kingdom to come to faith in him. We have more of, like you said, the presentation, Close let me to give deal. it one shot, 30 minutes, if that doesn't work. Or 30 seconds. Or three, yeah, right, 30 seconds. What do you think about this, the long range approach when it comes to disciple making? Well, you know, he's a good friend of mine, love the guy. I, I think... He's absolutely right. We need to see not just these moments, and God does give them to us, right? Where the door is, it's open and it's time, and you can tell it's time to have a different type of conversation with someone, sure. right? And a, and a lot of things have to be right for that. Yeah, Because <laughs> it's big, you know, it's big stuff. But there again, it's if you take off the shelf, off the table, this idea that, and so now we're going to talk about spiritual things, or we're going to talk about Jesus here for a second, uh, or maybe for longer than that. If you take off the table... And I have to close the deal. If you just take that off and you start thinking, no, discipleship, that's a longer game. That's why he was saying he kind of figures five years to build relationship and trust. And I think all of life, every conversation, times together, our happy and sad moments, they're all filled with the opportunity to both display the gospel and proclaim it. That's great. Right? Yeah. They're all full of the... and. and I know there are there are some out there that would say, you can't display the gospel. That's not true. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the incarnation. Hmm. Jesus came to put flesh on, and he says, now, if you've, seen my fa- if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know my Father. Yeah. You know Dad. I only do what Dad, I've seen Dad do. I yeah. only say what I've heard him say, right? And so now that changes everything again, doesn't it? Like taking sure. a longer view that... I'm going to have to build relationship, I'm going to have to build trust, and there's going to be loads of opportunities for people to see and taste and hear and experience the good news of the gospel, what's true of God and what's now true of us because of that, yeah. that we begin to trust that and move from unbelief to belief. Yep. And I'm, I'm going to say that a lot because that's what discipleship is, it's moving from unbelief to belief. And that's generally, and surprising to some folks when I say this, but it's generally a person's unbelief to belief like leap, it's not often the first leap is I just went from full on atheist to like my first leap of unbelief to belief is, and now I believe that I'm a dirty, rotten sinner in need of a savior, and I'm going to put my hope and faith in Christ and his work on the cross. Yeah, That's 
Usually there's some unbelief to belief movements, i.e. discipleship, which is evangelism, that come way before that. Like, hey, maybe God's real. Like maybe God is big because I'm seeing it in your life. Maybe he's worthy of trust. Yeah. Maybe he's generous because the way you guys live and have treated me, God must be generous. And you say that's why you are because it's really not yours that you're giving, it's his yeah. and you're just sharing. And so there's these clicks like of unbelief to belief that are all part of proclaiming the gospel and sharing our faith. They really are. And I say that that the kingdom moves at the speed of relationship. Yeah, which is great. And the gospel then moves at the speed of trust. Hmm. So as I build relationships, the kingdom, the roads, like inroads are expanding. And as I build trust in those relationships and we do life together, that's where the gospel then now can come to be seen, tasted, heard, experienced. Yeah, you know, um, one of the stories that's kind of fascinating, this was just actually this week for me, is uh, we have a neighbor who... Uh, literally next door, drug house. There's a, a father being abused. It was a really terrible situation. Yikes. So we stepped in to the need, right? We never had a game plan to share our faith, but hey, this this 85-year-old man, Ralph, his his yard is going crazy. And <laughs> we went over one day and just mowed his yard. I was mowing mine. It was like, yeah, hey, it just makes sense. Let's, let's do that. Boom. And one of the police officers in the community showed up a couple weeks later and said, man, I've noticed just in the way that you're being a decent neighbor, that there's something different about you. Why would you do that for somebody? Nobody does that. Huh. And and you're right. It's not, I had no agenda, no plan, but it's just by being a decent human being that a lot of times letting your faith, when you actually are, are viewing yourself as a servant, because Jesus was a servant and called us to do the same, that when we actually live as courteous neighbors, because we want to be like Jesus, that sometimes it's faith. The fact that a police officer was driving by and saw that, I could never have calculated that. But I think right, and then he would take the time to pull over and say, "Hey, something's going on here." Yeah, right. right? Yeah, so and that's got at work. Absolutely, because I know you're not that cool guy. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 that's exactly right. That's a great illustration of that. That's a great illustration. Let me let me land something on us that changed a lot for me in this okay. uh, idea of quote sharing my faith, okay, and evangelism and you know, sort of beating the fear of rejection. Go for it. In John eight. Uh, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. And we love that. That's like a favorite Christian verse, right? You know, it's our favorite Bible verse, especially when you're trying to win an argument. You know, <laughs> well, truth will set you free, brother. You know? um, and, uh, but we, we, we often don't back up and get the whole verse. And the verse paraphrased a little bit. So this, this is really close, but I'm just going to paraphrase for the sake of clarity here. Sure. Jesus says in that verse, if you just back up same verse, he says, if you'll be my disciple... Truly be my disciple, i.e. walk in my ways, live my life. Then you will come to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Huh. Now that's big. Notice this. It, notice the order. If you'll be my disciple, which means walk in my ways, yeah. like obey my teachings, Sure. then, huge then, you'll come to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Huh. Discipleship leads to the knowledge of truth, capital T, right? Yeah. That leads to now being set free. And he didn't say, if you walk in my ways, you'll come to know the truth and you'll go to heaven. Hmm. He, when he's talking about truth setting you free, he's talking about in every area of your life. He's talking about the gospel, the good news of the kingdom has come, that the king has come, yeah. that we now get to live in it and walk with him. You'll get set free in your marriage, in your parenting, in the way you eat, the way you spend your money, what yeah. do you do on vacation, how you treat your neighbors, do you mow someone else's grass, how do you present yourself, how do you talk about dad? You know, yeah, the Father. Every area. All of that, you'll get set free in that if you'll walk in the ways of Jesus. So 
does evangelism lead to a getting set free Jesus in our heart prayer and then we start to disciple people? Or is it the other way around? Jesus said, if you'll be my disciples, then you'll know the truth and you'll start getting set free. How did he live it? Yeah. How did he live it? He said, come and follow me. Come walk in my ways with me. And little by little, the kingdom was unveiled. And it, and it goes over and over in scripture, right? It says, and he talked to them about the kingdom. And here's mm. some more parables. And it's like this. And it's like that. And we know that in Matthew 28, Jesus' ascension, so this is after he's already died and rose yeah. again. It says that the 11 who were still alive, the 11 disciples that were still alive, were there with him, watching as he ascended into the clouds, and some still did not believe. Huh. So clearly, belief, quote unquote, doesn't precede discipleship. Discipleship precedes belief. And it's really one big continue in one loop. And when I understood that, that changed everything for me. Because yeah. now my fear of rejection, because I have it too, wasn't like I got to close the deal or I don't know what to say. It's like, I'm going to invite people to walk in the ways with us. Mm. So look, the next time I work on that guy's yard, I'm going to invite another neighbor yeah. to just kind of throw in with me. We're going to do the bushes. We're going to trim that stuff up. We're going to weed whack. We're going to go ahead and edge. The guy's going to help me. And we're going to build some relationship on it. We're going to walk in the ways of Jesus, who is a servant, and we'll trust the spirit to where it goes. Yeah, that's cool, man. Right? That's yeah. big. That's different, man. It's a totally different very, way very of different. thinking. So we don't have much time left, but um, one listener named Larry asked us, uh, he wrote in and said, when we read about the power of the gospel for salvation, it's always associated with the preaching of the cross. How does this relate to the new relational evangelism approach that takes three to five years or more to reach an acquaintance? And Caesar, I think what Larry's asking is like, when do we actually get around to preaching the cross in this relational type of evangelism. Right. And I've heard, yeah. Thanks, Larry. It's a killer question. And I've heard it before. That's great. Because I've had even people kind of put a finger in my chest and go, oh, you're one of those guys that wants to be friends with everybody first. Hmm. Kind of. <laughs> Jesus was a, a friend thing? of sinners. I don't, I kind of like, <laughs> I'd love to have that moniker, you know, right? Sure. Um, I think this, that, that question ties back to, into that third reason that I gave that people fear talking about their faith or the gospel. And that's that they don't feel like they really know how to talk about it in ways that are good news, hmm. okay? Or or that are perceived and received as good news by others. Notice, I don't feel like it's good news when I say it, but I'm supposed to say it. And, or I don't think that it's gonna be perceived as good news. It's sure. gonna sound real presentational. And so for many in their minds, this preaching of the cross is just that. It's, the, it's an insertion of a group of historical facts about a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago. Hmm. That's what it means to preach the cross. Yeah. And they think somehow if I will just reel out those historical facts jammed into any given situation, lost my job, wife's leaving, child just got sick, child died, my mom passed away, boss says I'm getting let go next month. You know, Yeah. oh, you know what? Here's some facts about a guy died on a cross. That's the preaching of the cross. It's mm. like, I don't think that sounds like good news right there. Yeah, exactly. And I have no example of Jesus doing anything like that or the disciples going, you know what? Super out of context. Jesus basically said, if you're going to preach the good news to a hungry man, hmm. like wrap it up in a good sandwich, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, right? Sure. You know, like, like the good news needs to be good news that they're, that God's real and he cares about you and it's, it's, and he meets your need in context. Yep. So the gospel is always good news and it never changes, but it's good news in context. And so the preaching of the, co the cross has to also be in context, right? Yeah. And that's what we call gospel fluency there again. How does the gospel speak into you might lose your job? Yeah. Does it? Is there good oh, news absolutely. there? Yeah, because we've got a father. And here, and I'll just give our listeners an example. My neighbor comes over and says, hey, man, freaking, you seem stressed out. Oh, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Like, why are you freaking out, man? I just found out, you know, like, of course, you know, my wife's pregnant with our third. Yeah. 
saw some news, man. He goes, yeah, but worse news, boss says I'm getting let go. Took me like nine months to get my land, this job, and now I'm like freaking out. It's like, is there good news? Like, hey, you know, Jesus died on a cross two thousand years ago, man. Yeah. Like that. How does that help me? You know. Okay. Or what if yeah. you said, you know, um, we may not believe the exact same things, bro, but we've tried to live a life of generosity and you know, and sharing what we've been given by God, and we think it all comes from God. And you know what's so powerful to me about these situations? Because, dude, I've lost my job before, and I've, you know, I, I know been I've been there, man. You know, and, uh, and I got kids, and. Um, our father is so generous. Like we've never slept under a bridge. We've never, yeah. you know, missed a meal. We've had times tight and we didn't know it was coming, but then it always showed up. And what I've come to believe is that God is super generous and he was most, you know how he proves it, man? A, a God who's a father who would send his own son to die in my place to like pay a huge debt for sin that I could never, yeah. that's crazy generous. And when I started to believe that, and like God allowed me to believe that more and more, that truth right there, that I started to believe him for like much littler things. Like a mm-hmm. God who would not withhold his own son, that generous, yeah. probably with, would not withhold, hey, I'm going to care for your family and you yeah. got a light bill to pay. And Well, that me. is the good news, right? In that right. situation. Yeah. That... And see, that's the preaching of the cross, but it's good news in that situation because yeah. it's about his generosity and he, he would not withhold his own. Yeah. Right? The, his only begotten. So anyway, that's when I talk about growing in gospel fluency. And, I, and that is the preaching of the cross, but it's good news in context. It's not a presentational this is what I reel out. Boom. Yep. Fits every situation. Hmm, no. That's Jesus didn't do it either. That's why he told hundreds of parables. Yeah. He, he it's all these angles. So you would get it. So you'll understand it. So you could communicate that to someone else. Wow. Well, as as we close, we like to end each episode with three things that we get started with right away. We call them the big three. And this is advice or action steps or something that we get to do right now. Caesar, what are the big three that we can leave people with for this week? Well, um, I'm going to lay them on you. I want our listeners to remember if they're at the gym or they're driving, don't freak out. Like, I got to write these down. This has been good. Because you can always get the big three by download, by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, and boom, we'll send you all this, okay? That's great. And I'm going to send you a free video to go along with it. You'll get the big three. So here's the big three that I think will change all this. First, believe that you're perfectly loved by God. God, our Father, loves you right now perfectly as a son or daughter, if you're in Christ, regardless of how often or how well you feel like you are at sharing your faith, all right? Just sit in that. Believe, let that wash over you. Believe that you are perfectly loved and you're loved exactly the same if you're like a witnessing monster or you suck at it and never open your mouth. You, isn't that good news, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. It's not about our performance. It's about his grace and his power of the gospel to set us free. Yeah. Secondly, um, taking this from Hugh, take a longer view of evangelism, okay? Hmm. Take a longer view of people coming to faith. Really start to have a discipleship understanding. Yep. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He called people to do life with him. And along the way, he evangelized them from unbelief to belief. Hmm. So take a longer view. Don't, I think, I, I would just say it happens where sometimes we just get to, you know, on a plane or with somebody we just met, we get to share like a big portion of the truth of who Christ is and the cross. And people will actually come to faith. God has appointed that time. I'm not hmm. discounting that. I've seen that. It's real. But most often yeah. for myself, the churches we've helped people plant and planted, loads of people we've discipled, it's going to be a longer haul, just like with Jesus. He took yeah. years, and some of his disciples still didn't believe. Take a longer view. And then third is grow in your gospel fluency. Hmm. Like, get started. Plan to learn the language of the good news. Most of us, are we're not born with it, we, and we don't hear it in church that much. We hear very propositional gospel. We hear very presentational gospel. We hear a lot of self-help and advice, and maybe an offer you know, to come forward at the end or something like that. Yeah. And 
like I said, if you'll go, you know, and Heath, you can give me the information again, but if they'll get the download this week, we'll give you the, the, the notes on the big three and, and, I'll, and I'll give you a video and we'll get, we can put your foot on the path of growing in gospel fluency. And, and we all want to do that. And that's not a bunch of transitions or tricks. Sure. It's how to truly see the good news connected to every area of life and how to learn to begin to speak it to ourselves and then to others as well. Thanks, Caesar. Those are some great tips. For sure. This is a pretty important area of our lives and hearts to let the gospel get in there and change. And I hope this was helpful for you. Thanks, Heath. Hey, and don't forget to hop on over right now and register for the Discipleship as a Lifestyle live virtual workshop. Be sure to register right away because depending on when you're hearing this, the training might be happening today or tomorrow and the registration will come down. So go over to everydaydisciple.com forward slash lifestyle and we'll save a seat for you. Okay, we're for sure out of time now. I hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to grow in the gospel speaks into and changes every part of life. Not just yours, not just ours, but everyone around us too. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.